Night Talk, giving you depth and texture to the conversations that matter. 20 minutes to the top of the hour. You're listening to Night Talk. My name is Oliver Dixon. Thank you so much for staying with us. Really, really do appreciate it. A report I read today that suggests that uh, higher education in this country does not speak to the needs of the skills required in civil service. But maybe before we even talk about all of that, I think we need to get some things clear. What do we mean by civil service, right? Do we mean just teachers, police officers, nurses? Uh, or do we mean, um, I don't know, engineers in municipalities, CFOs, C, um, municipal managers, uh, account managers, accountants? Do we mean professional skills across all spheres of our state? What is the civil service? Or do we draw specifically, as people often do, a distinction between civil service and public service? We use those words interchangeably. Oftentimes you hear public service, civil service, but they don't always mean the same thing, right? Um, but do they need to mean the same thing now when we speak about the educational needs there? Joining me for this conversation, management consultant, Mklanganisi Matlongolwane. Mklanganisi thinks a lot about the configuration of the state and very specifically what skills and levers you need in a functioning state. Um, Klanganisi, good evening. Thank you so much for your time. Hi, Oliver. Good evening. Can you hear me? Yes, loud and clear. Sounds perfectly well. Uh, maybe do you want to just start there so that we, you and I can make sure we're on the same page. What what is civil service and public service the same thing or are they really technically distinct and that should be applied to our conversations? What exactly are we speaking about when we speak about the civil service? Hi, Oliver. Thanks for having me. Uh, one, I'm just I'm grateful you can hear me. The load shedding is a bit crazy, yeah. my side of the world. Um, look, I think, and I like the introduction that you make around uh, asking that question, what exactly is the civil service? Now, when I think about it, and when I really sort of apply my mind, which is something that, of course, impacts us all, I actually would define the civil servants, civil service rather as a confluence of skill, right, which is all dedicated towards the public good. Now, if you think about it, think about the fact that a policeman, a nurse, a teacher are all people who have a different set of skills that are dedicated towards the public good and dedicated towards the consumption of the public good. Right. And those are those are the more traditionally defined yeah. um, civil servants. Um, so we grew up with them. We know them to be the civil servants. Then there's another level of civil servants that run the administration of the state. And so those are the people that help you fill in your ID documents when you go to a home affairs. And those are the people that help you sort of process whatever certificates that you need to process. Home affairs is, of course, a very close one to my heart as I spend a lot of time there. And so that's sort of the administrative leg of it all. But then there's a level that we actually Actually think that I actually think we ignore, or at least we don't give as much attention to when we think and talk about the civil service. It's the fact that there's the technical layer of civil servants. So I know we don't speak about engineers as civil servants. We don't speak about town planners as civil servants. Hell, we don't even speak about uh, lawyers or 
accountants as civil servants, but those are all the skills that are necessary in ensuring the continued functioning of the state at different levels, right? And so for me, defining the civil servants, civil service rather, would have to be really looking at a confluence of skills dedicated towards the public good. Now, public good, of course, then is making sure that all children that go into schools are numerate, are literate, those are your teachers, they're healthy, um, those are your nurses, they're safe, those to an extent are the police, right? Those are the traditional ones, but actually the roads that they travel to schools, um, the electricity that they use when they are in schools, suddenly you think about your more technical layer of civil servants as critical skills that are dedicated towards the public good. And I think if we think about that definition in that way, we can really have a really nice and warm debate around it. Sure. So let's then speak about that, right? I mean, sure. we produce a lot of lawyers in this country. A lot of accountants, not enough, but we've got a lot of accountants. We've got a sizable number of doctors. We even export some of them, albeit sometimes we import some of them. Uh, uh-huh. We don't produce enough teachers. We know that. Um, and the Minister of Finance complains about that all the time. Specifically, we don't have math and science teachers. And we've uh-huh. got uh, nurses that are overburdened because we don't have enough nurses employed. Uh, we clearly sure. don't have enough engineers. Let's talk about specific engineering skills, like a water engineer, right? Uh, we don't uh-huh. we don't have enough of those. And I don't even want to say a chemical engineer. I want to say specifically a water engineer. Uh, uh-huh. Because if we had that, Hamanskral wouldn't have been Hamanskral, for instance, right? Um, what Where have we gotten it wrong? Is there not an incentive to... Uh, got to, to do at least foster those skills or uh, is the private sector absorbing all of those skills and just paying them better? So I think a, a couple of things firstly Oliver uh, and of course I, I read the piece that you also are speaking about and I think there is some credence to the central message around the importance of getting civil servants in right but I think where I would differ with the piece and I think we haven't necessarily gotten it wrong at the training of those individuals so my sort of central uh, input in this debate is the fact that Civil servants are being trained every day. Accountants are being trained every day. Lawyers are being trained every day. Um, doctors, engineers are being trained uh, every day. Do we are they happening at the rates that they're happening uh, that we would like them to? Not really, right? There's not a very high throughput. Now, where have we actually failed in getting those skills in? is actually recruiting those people to come and work for the state, right? And come and work and ply their trade in the different uh, sort of state machinery. And in fact, you see this quite a lot at local government where a lot of local government has been juniorized where people just don't want to work for local government. And that of course is a function of many things, uh, political challenges, um, remuneration and everything else that goes into that space. So I think what we have not done and what we failed to do is not necessarily not training accountants, not necessarily not training doctors and nurses, but is actually absorbing them into a functional working state, creating a space where they can actually ply the trade that they've been trained for. And that's where I think the big headache is. Yeah. Um, But even when we attract those people, it's seemingly not good enough. They seemingly don't function well, right? I mean, uh, the Auditor General tells us often about uh, state entities uh, and institutions that can't even prepare 
financial statements. And then when you ask who was responsible for this, there's a qualified CFO who's an accountant, a chartered accountant, but the person just didn't care to do their job, right? So there's a skills issue, but then there's also a political and integrity issue. Um, can you even train for that? Look, it's a tricky thing, Oliver, right? But if you're a CFO, by the time uh, a financial statement gets to you, it would have moved through multiple hands in an organization. And let's just follow the example that you've sort of given us, right? Um, by the time a, a balance sheet gets to you, it's been prepared by multiple people. In a municipal space, for instance, it's gone through the revenue department, it's gone through budgeting department, and there's multiple hands that have gone in there. Now, the big question then becomes do we have the right people at that level right and this right. is where we speak about the technical skills at that level to do a reconciliation for a transaction long before the auditor general comes right and i know for instance in my previous experience where a lot of municipal uh, officials actually uh, <laughs> it's the scariest time because the auditor general is coming and people are having to run around because now suddenly you're having to do basic things like reconciliation of basic transactions so it's the confluence of all of those and so by the time it gets to the cfo a lot of it is patchwork right mm. to make sure that at the very least you have a legible financial statement that can be audited in one way or another and of course that is a big issue and that's actually where the big thing is right is that the key question here is do we have the right people do we have doing the right kinds of jobs at the right level at a senior level, you could argue, sure, fine, you can get away with the fact that someone is a CASA and they've been appointed and they fit for purpose at that level, right? But what they get in from a junior point where you, this is where you need the junior accountants right, to come right. in. This is where you need the engineers, right? The person who's actually doing the water treatment is meant to be an engineer and it's meant to be someone that does that on a daily basis so that your head of technical or your head of infrastructure shouldn't be dealing with a situation that you have a contaminated water treatment plant because it's just not been looked after or the department has not been staffed. So I would argue that we are training civil servants. I would argue that we are training people technically. We're just not letting them do their jobs at the levels at which they meant to be doing their jobs. And that's where, for me, the gulf is. We used to have a minister in this country, she's still a minister, but not in that department anymore, who used to wear a onesie jumpsuit and a blazer that had 4IR <laughs> written all over it. Uh, and they said, yeah, we're preparing for 4IR. We we're going to create a capable state. Do we, firstly, do we need that high-tech skill in our, in our civil service? Uh, and are we producing that sort of uh, qualified people? Look, uh, it depends on what you mean by high-tech skills, right? Um, let's think about our interaction with the state, Oliver, and what that means. Um, a lot of my interaction, uh, at least personally, with government is just making sure that the basic administration is done, right? And so this means I need someone to be able to plug in or put in information into a system that will make sure that I have a birth certificate yeah. for my son. You know, and so you don't necessarily need a four IR in that way, but you do definitely need a level of competence that just makes sure that someone can use a computer, right? Sure. And someone can think about a computer in that way. And then, of course, you do want a level of skill where 
at a certain level, someone's able to do data analysis. And this is where Stats SA becomes an interesting one, where they're helping us think about what it means, what the numbers mean for all of us. There's multiple levels for it. I would say you want a basic level of competence, be able to use the computer that you're working with, use the system that you're working with to make sure that that helps. And I think the one thing that we must give civil servants um, slack for, and I'm using this language uh, very informally because it's late in the evening, is the fact that if we really think about it, Oliver, is if you think about the system churn and the, the amount of systems that change in government departments based on administrations, it takes quite a while for people just to get over with the system that they that's now being introduced. Sure. And so you have all of these implementations and you people need to figure out how to use these. Now, of course, you want a civil servant that has that level of flexibility. But if the state could then begin thinking about technological certainty or system certainty, that would go far in just enabling people to do their jobs. Um, I do think that, of course, we must prepare people for sure. jobs of the future. Um, so if we're thinking about 4IR, what is 4IR in the first place? And are we thinking about whether or not we want to get the mundane tasks out of the way? Can we? If we can, I think we definitely shouldn't prepare for it. Um, what do we then do with the skills and the human capital that we have. I think it can definitely be deployed to a lot more creative thinking about how we make life better for South Africans in the civil service. I really think the space for innovation could be in the civil service if we just could get around uh, making sure that people don't do the mundane. If, if, we, if the state were to get right all the things you're describing, people like yourself wouldn't have a job. Consultants wouldn't be so heavily <laughs> relied on, right? Uh, because then you're getting things right internally. Uh, what role do those highly specialized skills of consultants and people sitting outside of the state play in, in filling those gaps? I, I will say this, Oliver, and this is not a defense for consultants, right? I'll, I'll say this. I'll, I'll tell you this. No consultant wants to get paid, wants to get paid to go and sit and fill out forms, right? Or show people how to fill out forms. It, it has been a reality uh, before, but no one wants to get paid for that. It's not very fulfilling work, right? Yeah. But that's how deep sort of uh, the gulf is in some instances or in some institutions where that, of course, is a really big issue. Um, we actually believe, uh, a lot of people in the industry actually genuinely believe that there's a lot of space to innovate and think about the more critical questions. I'll give you a sense of the questions that uh, we've sort of thought about uh, in, my, in, my, in my career, over my career. How do we revitalize mining towns, right? And so how sure. do we think about new economies and mining towns? So people in the consulting sector want to actually think about people, about the state in that way, or help the state think about in that way. How do we revitalize mining towns to make sure that there's a new economy coming up, right? But it's really hard to do that when you have to do a year's worth of reconciliations. So those are the things that we really need to think about. I, I think that the reason why we're having the debate that we're having right now, um, and this is, of course, private sector, public sector, everyone, is that we've just not gotten the basics right. And so we haven't even had space for for innovation in any way so one is there 
we should be creating space for us to think really big ideas, really innovative ideas, really necessary ones, but also because the impact that those ideas are going to make in the public sector and for the public good is going to be amazing. I'll give you an example, Oliver, of, 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 of that kind of innovation. I, for the longest time, have always said this, the, the trip between Johannesburg and, and, and the Limpopo province, be it Pulukwane or Musina, could be an absolutely amazing logistics belt. The amount of product that goes through to, 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 to Zimbabwe yeah. and even into Limpopo could be amazing. So can we think about how we set up a logistics belt? And I love that the Premier of Gauteng has begun doing that. How we set up a logistics belt, what that value chain looks like. Right. But that, of course, becomes really tricky when we are still struggling to maintain the N1 um, between those two because the engineers are in short supply or the town planners are not there to help us think about that exercise. Sure. And if you think about it, those are the skills that actually actualize the big ideas. So if we're saying we need to put together a logistics belt, great. Logistics belt, amazing. Town planner Oliver, come in. Help us think about if we had to move communities, what would that look like? Should we be even doing that? Um, uh, engineer, help us think on a project basis. How do we set up the setup, uh, let, implementation, and reporting? Let's say you build the train. Do you have enough train sure. drivers? I don't know what they call the technical term, but do you have enough of those to begin with? Right, and I'm sure there's a there used to be a college that used to churn out train drivers every week. But I, I, I'm not sure, given that Prasa doesn't even work, Transnet is 10% functional. I'm not sure that schools are even people are even going to study for those sort of things or even training for those sort of things. Look, and you see, I I, I will tell you this. One, I know two train, train drivers in my life. One I went to high school with and I came back one day home and he was a train driver. So clearly there is a channel or a funnel of train drivers that's coming through. Is there enough? I actually don't know. That's actually a really interesting question. But those are the technical questions that we need to be thinking about, right? And here's the beauty and the whole concept of a confluence, Oliver, right? Is that if you're thinking about that, uh, a public sort of a capable state has people that think in those terms and it goes back to that confluence of skills yeah so it has people that think about the fact that oh we want to build a railway line oh we have engineers oh do we have people that are going to do the driving of the trains oh we really need to think about that how do we sort of plan and project manage that think about it this way and here's the beauty of of government right government in and of itself is a project-based organization. In fact, the best project managers should be working in government mm, because mm. government thinks about priorities in projects, right? Government thinks about the eradication of pit latrines. I think that's a great problem statement from a problem statement point of view. How do we eradicate pit latrines? Now, in that project sort of setup, you now have people that begin thinking about, oh, should we doing bulk infrastructure? Are there town planners that help us think about that bulk infrastructure? Yeah. Do we have water engineers? Do we have people that will help us think about how we manage sewerage and effluent, right? And that's actually the capable state. So here for me, more than anything else, central ideas is capable state is a confluence of skills of people that are deploying those skills for the public good. What we should be doing is get those skills back 
into the public sector. And I yeah. really think it's a great topic for your show to go think about where train drivers come from. Yeah, Mklanganisi, we're going to have to leave it there. Thank you so much for your time this evening. I really do appreciate it. Mklanganisi Matlongolwana, Management Consultant. We're going to have the open line on the other side of the stick around. Give me a call, 086 I'm taking your reactions to that.